You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways, uh, episode one. And welcome back. Welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed the previous episode. I hope, uh, I hope you didn't like fall asleep and end up in World War II and then, <laughs> and then not show up because then that would be a really – we'd lose a lot of our listeners if they just went back and that was it. So, <laughs> so well, welcome to the show. I'm Paul. That's Kevin. I'm Kevin. What's going on, everybody? Got an exciting. I, I'm looking forward to this discussion because uh, this is an episode. This is episode one, and uh, where is everybody? I have actually not seen it before this. Before we did this, um, and I, I think we have some good things to talk about. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's been a very long time since I've seen this last uh, last episode. I hadn't seen it before this one. It's been probably a good 15 years, so it felt like new again. Yeah, and and I ended up having to watch it twice. Because once I just like I kind of want to watch it just to just to watch it just to experience it, and then I go back for for notes and for you know like clips and things, and it's just it it still like it's good to kind of take a moment to like to to look in the corners you know so to speak to see like there was there was some more stuff going on with this than and I you know it just makes me happy to know that there was uh, intelligent television back then you know like not that I'm saying all television was stupid but they didn't go spoon feeding everything to you from the get go and I, I really appreciated that. Well, which is funny because I pulled a quote for uh, when uh, Rod Serling was still trying to get Twilight Zone picked up on the air. He was on an interview with, uh, man, I already lost that, with uh, Mike Wallace. And uh, <laughs> he asked Rod Serling, he was like, uh, you're going to be working so hard on Twilight Zone that in essence, for the time being, in the foreseeable future, you're giving up on writing anything important for television, right? <laughs> wow. I know that that was that was how condescending everyone was to him before it came on the air. Yeah, you know, I, I know what you're talking about. I saw that it was like a half hour uh, interview that they did. It was weird because it was like the black and white, but a bunch of smoking and yeah. seeing like like a younger Mike Wallace. But I don't think Mike Wallace has ever been young. Like I don't know, it was just weird. And like <laughs> Serling like took him head on and was very serious about it. And it's just like I, I like um, we should link that interview at some point for people to watch. It's it's worth it. Um, but he. I like that, like, Serling was just, like, basically, like, you know, like, I think I want to tell important stories and do them well, and regardless of the medium, you know, good writing is good writing. And yeah. Well, it's just funny looking back on it now, you know, how many shows before that that everyone thought were important television shows that have just been lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Twilight I mean, Zone is probably the most important TV show to ever be put on air. Yeah, like, I mean, like, people don't go back and be like, you know, Petticoat Junction, that was really, <laughs> like, that shaped the world, you know, like, uh. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, like Serling. I mean, so this one, so I know you did some research. Did you do any reading about what was supposed to air? What what was supposed to be the first script, but CBS uh, kicked it back? Did you read about that? He, yeah, he wrote a script called uh, Happy Place, 
which was about people being killed at the age 60. Yeah. And uh, I guess uh, CBS decided that it was too depressing <laughs> and, for obvious reasons. Yeah. And, and then I, the, like where I was reading this, I don't know how true this is because sometimes the Internet likes to lie um, that 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 idea was kind of shelved and ended up brought back for Logan's run later. And I thought that was kind of cool that even then, like he's like, you know what? You don't like this idea. It will be used somewhere. You know, like, yeah, I, I have this idea for for a whole planet full of a uh, planet of apes. I'll just use that later. You just don't know what's coming. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, I thought that was interesting that CBS is like, nope. So they decided to go with this one, which I would also argue is kind of depressing at parts, but, you know, uh, not as bad. Yeah, it, as, it's a pretty playful uh, script, though. Yeah. So uh, you uh, you said we have some we're going to start off with like uh, air date information, cast and crew. Um, yeah, so, so, yeah, uh, what do we got? Uh, episode one is called Where Is Everybody? It aired October 2nd, 1959, directed by Robert Stevens. Um. Robert Stevens, I tried to look up some background stuff on him. He was pretty much just a TV director for the most part. But it looks like he, he started work with uh, the series Suspense, which was kind of a precursor to Twilight Zone. A um, bunch of TV work. And then Alfred Hitchcock uh, Presents and Suspicion, which was produced by Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, I was reading he directed one other episode of Twilight Zone, which is Walking Distance, which is coming soon in our order. And then one of the last things he directed was an episode of Amazing Stories. Oh, so, I did see that. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool that they brought him back to do like the modern anthology at that time. I thought that. Was I, really I wonder cool. if he did. Well, he didn't do the first episode. No, no. Um, I, I, I saw the title. Like I, Amazing Stories, one of those shows again that I wouldn't mind going back and watching some of it because I remember watching it some of it as a kid. And there was some cool stuff there, but I don't remember a lot of it. So yeah, I like, barely remember it. Yeah, so, um, and then also music, a very important element, I mean, to every episode of Twilight Zone, but this one's, like, I don't know how much um, Bernard Herrmann did for Twilight Zone, but he did a lot. Yeah, I, I think it said he did, like, eight episodes or something. Okay, but maybe not a lot. How then. many of those did they reuse <laughs> for other episodes? So like, he did, I know this one was used in at least two other episodes. Yeah, so um, but maybe so he didn't do a lot. I, I I thought he did a lot, but maybe it's just I get confused because I'm like, oh, I just hear really well professional done music. It must be Bernard Herman. So, um, but he is known for he did do um, all he did Psycho, Vertigo, Twisted Nerve. Uh, was that the other one that he did with uh, the whistling? That was him, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And then uh, Cape Fear, one of my favorites, uh, Jason and the Argonauts, and. So Some of the Sinbad movies. So you got a guy that this is within his wheelhouse, and it's uh, it's it's good music, and I yeah, it's really great. Yeah, and uh, pretty much only one actor in this. I mean, there's some some later, but we'll get to that. In a yeah, bit. there's basically three: Earl uh, Holloman, who was TV actor. This was his only Twilight Zone appearance. Um, I thought that was just, odd. I, you you would think that they would bring like this guy's like especially being on the first episode. Yeah. I just, I mean, to, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, to cut you off there. It's just like you know, you think that like I don't know. I just thought twi- I just thought these actors would sometimes rotate through television, and it's just it's surprising that this was the only one he was in. Yeah. Well, and then uh, the Air Force General is played by uh, James Gregory, who was also in Suspicion, Hitchcock Presents, um, a movie Big Caper, who was the same director as this episode. He directed that, so that's probably where they pulled him from. Um, and he was in another episode, Twilight Zone. Okay. But those are basically the only two notable people to mention for the episode. Yeah, and so then some some brief facts about uh, October second, nineteen fifty nine. Um, number one song in the nation at the time, "Sleepwalk" by Santo and Johnny. 
Oh, nice. Right? Like, that's very, it seems very kind of appropriate. Um, yeah, that's really appropriate. A movie out at the time, uh, I, I don't know if it came out that same week, but a movie called The Magician with Max von Sydow, which makes me mm. kind of want to watch that. Like, uh, Yeah. You know what? It, that's on uh, Hulu Plus, if I really if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I almost watched it like a few weeks ago. And then the number one film in the box office, North by Northwest, Alfred Hitchcock. Oh, nice. So, Which uh, Bernard Herrmann did the score for. There you go. So I, I, I just thought I, if I find something interesting from the air dates, I want to bring it up. But so I don't know how often the movies or the music's going to change. But if they do, I, I just think it's kind of interesting because Sleepwalk. I mean, everyone knows that that song. So I thought that yeah, was kind of a great song. So. All right. So we got we got the we got the business out of the way. Um, let's get to the episode proper. Uh, so where do you want to begin? I mean, like we, we can we can tell the plot in probably like two sentences, but I don't think that does it justice. Yeah. Um, well, why don't we do a? Why don't you give a quick synopsis, and then we'll kind of go point by point to the important things. Um, we've got a guy uh, who looks like he is military of some sort, wandering into a town that looks like it. Up until the moment he walked in, was actually full of people, but they're they're not there now. And he um, isn't even sure who he is, but he's trying to figure out stuff. And as he goes around, he discovers different things that, like a cigar that was just recently lit. Um, like a sink faucet running still, like just things that the look church like, bell is still going off. Yeah, um, the mannequin store still doing well, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, and he doesn't know who he is, but he has enough knowledge to know that the last thing he remembers is like walking on this path going into town. Yeah, he says he doesn't remember waking up; he just remembers being on that road. Yeah, and so he goes around the town, various spots, trying to find out what's going on. And then, uh, as it gets, as it starts getting revealed, like there's, there's different things that kind of go on in this. And I was going to ask you about that, where I, once you figure out like what's ultimately going on, it's like, oh, well, anything could have happened, but it seemed like there were some specific moments there where structures were not going to let him out. And I don't know if that was, I mean, I'm sure it was on purpose, but it felt like very like final destination at times with, um, like the telephone booth and then yeah, also the, the jail cell. Yeah. And I just, I wonder I mean, I'm sure it was all intentional, but it just, it just felt like it added like an element of, of supernatural a little bit on top of this already like barren, like, you know, would to me like fallout <laughs> everywhere he went. Well, like, it like, kind of makes sense uh, not to jump ahead to the end, but what the end ends up being um, ultimately kind of makes sense with those things. Yeah. So I, I won't jump ahead that far. That's all I'll say about that. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, if people, if you guys have not watched this episode yet, I would, I, I would recommend it because I will say this honestly, I did not see the ending coming. Uh, for as smart as I thought I, I am when it comes to Twilight Zone, I was like, oh, he has to be a ghost, or he has to be recently like in an accident, and his spirit doesn't know he's dead yet, or something, or whatever. Well, I they give you that great red herring with the ghost thing when he's in the malt shop. And he starts talking about uh, Christmas Carol. Yeah. And referencing the ghost. And uh, I, I I thought that was a great red herring. I didn't remember the end. I, I sort of remembered where they ended up, but I couldn't totally remember. Yeah. And uh, I, th- I thought that was a great red herring, though. Like, I was expecting... So he goes running into a movie theater towards the end, uh, and the movie theater is just basically playing a bunch of Air Force, like, like I don't know, like, just... Um, 
stock Air Force footage, basically. Because um, it's supposed to be some kind of movie. I forget the actors that were listed outside. But he so he remembers he's in the Air Force. It's showing Air Force stuff. I was like, oh, he must have died in an airplane crash. That's what's going on. And then what actually happens, like I said, credit to them. Like, I did not see it coming. I was just like, that was really cool. And it, And for what I feel about Twilight Zone endings was actually relatively subdued. Like, oh, that actually, for what it is, that actually could happen. You know, like, uh, so yeah. that was very, like, um, yeah, it was it was really good. Like, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think that it was a task for uh, for uh, Earl Hallman, Hallman to uh, have to, how do you carry an episode of just yourself wandering around not knowing who you are and not seeing anybody? Yeah, I found that the movie playing was called Battle Him with Rock Hudson and Martha Heyer. There you go, yeah. Um, that, so that manly man rock hudson you know yeah <laughs> um so yeah like i just there was a lot of like beautiful beautiful shots in the episode uh like the whole bit we we're talking about the malt shop where he's looking into the mirror talking to himself which i i now kind of want to have an ice cream parlor uh date with myself looking in the mirror just eating ice cream just having to just chat seems like a pretty good way to go you got, you got one fairly close to you <laughs> Yeah, I'll just go walking in and be like, I just I just need a minute in this mirror and I'm good, you know. Um, <laughs> so that that was kind of interesting. Uh, I also the bit with him in the theater running. Uh, I didn't expect that coming with uh, the mirror breaking. Like that was a oh, very yeah. very cool shot, which you could kind of lump into because it almost felt like uh, the theater almost changed uh, layouts. Because yeah. he came running down the steps, I could have sworn that this uh, the front door is right there. Yeah, so it, it might be in the same vein of you talking about uh, structures not letting him out. Maybe I just like I like the whole thing of like the further he went along, how it was all kind of falling apart. Like uh, like the the books on the spinners and the drug the drugstore or the malt shop. How he found the one that was called the Last Man on Earth, and then and then the mirror breaking, and then the whole callback to because at the beginning he drops a clock in the diner that he's in, and it breaks a certain time. Um, and I went back on my second viewing. It matches the clock, the exact same oh, clock at face. The end? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, which I mean, they, you know, that was cool. How it really was him, kind of, you know, that was that that it was almost like that was the time his mind snapped, and that was it. You know, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, so, I mean, I guess we can get to. I mean, before we get to the ending and give it away completely for people if they have not watched this yet, uh, what were things that you you liked about the episode? Um. I I wrote a note down early on the episode after he answers he hears a phone ringing in a phone booth and he runs over to answer it ends up just being no one there and the operator is just a recording and uh, after he runs out of there he goes into the police station when he walks in he gives the line I wish I could shake the crazy feeling I'm being watched and at that moment on I feel like the episode really took off. Yeah, I th- I just thought that was great, and especially with the ending, like that line really gets under my skin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I do have one line that gets under my skin, so I do have some clips, uh, and I won't run through all of them just because I mean you know you guys could watch this yourself and listen to it yourself. Um, I think I do just for the sake of honoring uh, Mr. Sterling. I do have the very beginning of his intro, so I, let's get let's do that because you got to give him his credits. And then I'll play. I'll, I'll give you my context for my, my favorite creepy line of the episode. The place is here. The time is now. And the journey into the shadows that we're about to watch could be our journey. 
I wish I could smoke cigarettes and sound cool like that. I mean, that's really <laughs> like he just he just makes it like, yeah, just, I don't know where you're going. I'm just going to follow you. Like, <laughs> so uh, I the whole bit whenever uh, he thinks he sees somebody in a vehicle, and he goes running up to them. And it turns out it's a mannequin. Um, so I, I want to make a point five and a half minutes into the series. And it's our first creepy mannequin in an episode of Twilight Zone. <laughs> Not going to be our last, but our first creepy mannequin. Um, and I have some screenshots of that I'll put up when we when we post the episode. Like I just like, there's some stills I just have those mannequin faces. It's just creepy. Um, but he knocks her over and he sets her back up again. And then this is like this is the, the my favorite line. I'm terribly sorry, madam. I can assure you that at no time did I mean to be so upsetting. As a matter of fact, I've always had kind of a secret yen for the quiet type. Get what I mean, babe? What's that mean? Yeah, what? that's that's really creepy. <laughs> It's like, oh, I just, you know, you're a mannequin, but I'm also going to admit that, uh, that, you know, I kind of like it. I might be okay with that. You know, it's just like, (laughs) it's like, I don't remember who I am, but I remember I like quiet ladies, you know? Uh, so I thought that was a little, a little weird. Um, so, uh, yeah, so he goes all across this town, which, um, the, a bit of trivia here, the main, the main area of town, I was going to save this to drop it on Kevin, but Kevin already figured it out is that, uh, it is the same area that was used for back to the future and a couple other movies. Yeah. Um, a few years later after this episode, um, it was in to kill a mockingbird played a uh, pretty big role in that. And then it was also on gremlins. That made me happy to see. Yeah. So, I mean, I... And countless other ones. It's called uh, Courthouse Square. It's on the Universal lot. You can look up. It's got, like, a whole website about it. Yeah, I just thought... I mean, with the air date of 1959, that was uh, four years after Marty McFly went back in time. So I thought that was funny that you just think of Hill Valley and and then that he was stuck in the 50s. And here, you know, he's really in the 50s. I just... I don't know why. I just, I, I, I kind of, I was like, I didn't see a DeLorean. I was expecting a DeLorean. There was no DeLorean. Um, but there was some cool, uh, really cool shots towards the end when he yeah, started. I love when he comes running out of the theater. Yes. Um, there's all these really angled shots of him. And it's really disorienting and it, it looks fantastic. And now that you pointed out the whole watching me line, which I didn't think about even the second time I watched it. The oh, whole, yeah. The, he falls in front of that optometrist's uh, office and there's like the big eyeball on the window staring yeah. down at him. Yeah. I didn't I didn't think about that other than like he must hate optometrists and he ran away. Uh, <laughs> I did just, you know, as much as I was trying to find clues for what was going on, the two obvious ones I clearly didn't pick up on. So that was, uh, yeah, I just like that they, um, they well, kind of. You know, the obvious thing during this time, because. There's so much sci-fi coming out. You would think it would be aliens or something. Yeah, that's true. And especially uh, him discovering that he's in the Air Force. Like That's where my mind went, and then I sort of remember the ending from the last time I watched it. <laughs> um, I liked how after, um, what was it, uh, the the police station, I think it was, before he went to the movie theater, it went from daytime to nighttime, and, and the lights came on, and he looked up, but he was sitting on a park bench playing tic-tac-toe with himself. Yeah, and I was just like, you know, you, you fast forward to today, it would just be some guy sitting there with his phone playing like a tic tac toe app, and it would be the exact same situation where there's nobody around. Do you think around. there would be service though? I, I <laughs> well, considering that like you know cigars were lit and everything else was running, why wouldn't there be internet? You know, I yeah, feel that's like, true. And I feel like if that was me in an empty town with a bunch of ice cream and internet, I, I don't know how hard I would go looking for people. That's just I huh. would be. I think I'd be okay for a bit. 
what cracked me up though is when he walked into town um like the second place he went to he passed by a hardware store do you notice our old uh westinghouse fridge sitting in there looking out at us i saw the fridge i didn't realize that was uh I paused it. It looked like it was a Westinghouse fridge. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I'm just going to tell myself it is. I did notice that I looked at some of the signs on the drugstore. Um, I just want to let you know they're running a special on Combs. They were seven cents. That sounds like a pretty good deal. Um, My Combs are like two for three dollars now. Yeah. So, I mean, that was then that seems like that was pretty good. And I also was going to ask you, have have drugstores really changed that much? I don't really think they've changed that much other than the ice cream parlor bit. No. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, it's, it felt like wow. We've we, this is like fifty years ago, and a lot of that's very. I mean, not that I have a whole like van full of mannequins. I mean, I could, you know, <laughs> I would be, but yeah, it's it was this kind of interesting. I also like that uh, his first inclination walking to the diner is to go in the kitchen and start making coffee for himself or making food for himself, and then yelling for waitstaff to come out and help him. Yeah, you know, this, and uh, <laughs> yelling that he has American money. Yeah, I actually, I think I actually have that where he like, he specifically says that. So, well, at least if I find that, I'm an eggs, eggs over easy hash brown. Hungry cash customer. I got two dollars and eighty five cents American money. Yeah, hungry cash customer, <laughs> as opposed to hungry put it on my tab customer. Well, that's I, the first clue he finds out about himself. He goes, Oh, oh yeah, American. I'm American. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. We get to the end, um, and let's see. Actually, let's see if I have any other notes in here, real quick. I I like that when he left the diner, he flipped the sign over to close, like like there was anything yeah. else coming in. Um, well, that's what I was talking about. This being a very uh, playful script, there's a bunch of things like that he does that I feel like we all would do. Like when he walks into the police station, he just picks up the radio and just starts talking into it. He's like, yeah, I'd probably do that too. He's playing tic tac toe with himself. You know, he's having a little bit of fun until his mind finally breaks yeah and i was actually going to uh, made a note here to ask you about this with the book called the last man on earth um that is the name of a vincent price movie yeah which is based on uh i am legend by I am legend yeah. by richard matheson yeah so i don't know if that i don't know if that's a nod to matheson because he does he is going to be one of those guys that's like a workhorse for the series and writes a lot um and i, I think last man on earth came out before this movie so I thought that maybe there was some kind of tie there, but uh, I thought that was interesting that it was. Um, Last Man on Earth came out in 1964. Oh, so again, I'm wrong about time. So all right then. Yeah, I, I thought it was before too. <laughs> I just had to look it up. I just assume um, Vincent Price just lives like in the 40s and 50s and never comes out. I don't understand why. Well, I wonder if when they made that movie based on I Am Legend, I wonder if they took the Last Man on Earth thing from this. Maybe I don't know because it almost looked like the. Some of the artwork that they used for that movie, yeah, on the book cover. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm curious to look that up at some time. Yeah, because I just I'm, I'm a big Matheson fan, so I was just like, oh, that's the name of a thing I know. So I wanted to bring. Yeah, it up. with the playful script though, the Bernard Herman score really does play along. Because yeah. there are points where the where the score is just terrifying, and then there are points where it's just real bouncy and light, and uh, it, it it's a great contrast throughout the episode. Yeah. So. Quick question. How much stuff would you steal in a town that there's nobody there? Like, how much? Like, like <laughs> how, how much stuff? Just, just tell he me. He says a thing. He's like, who's watching the stores? Wait, who is watching the stores? And I was like, is he about to go steal stuff? Because <laughs> like, we had in Time Element, the guy just starts gambling. So Yeah. Like, this guy I, just... I, I, 
this guy you can th- see where my mind is where i'm like oh man he's about to go steal everything he's like he's, he's threatening <laughs> no, like mannequin, mannequin date rape and then also go steal stuff that was just really yeah i don't know <laughs> um yeah so anyway uh we get to the end um I, like i said i was not expecting the ending yeah it's it, it's a good twist I, I i like it quite a bit it's it's nothing i don't know it didn't blow my mind yeah i mean i guess it did for me so i mean i don't know if we want to uh well we'll we'll talk about it then we'll we'll do our ratings here in a bit yeah um yeah I was not expecting the ending to be so based in not, I mean, not reality because I mean, anytime anybody like says that they lose their mind, I mean, you don't really know what their perception is, but the idea that this was brought on because of like self seclusion, you know, like isolation because you're prepping for a moon launch or a moon landing. Yeah. So he wakes up in the, uh, well, I guess he's running down the street screaming and uh, screaming for help, and they cut to a bunch of military uh, generals and uh, high-ranking officials, and they're watching him in a little, I don't know what you would call that, like a sensory deprivation tank almost. Yeah, it looked and like a portage elect- like a high-tech portage yeah. And uh, it, it turns out that they're doing experiments with isolation for the first man to go to the moon. And that's basically the twist. Yeah, and they said that like they gave him a number of hours for him to be in there, and they said something like roughly four hundred and eighty-four. Yeah, they said like what was like like two weeks or something he was in there. Which I have questions then, but that's a whole other. <laughs> like if you're in there isolated for two weeks in that small like space porter John, I don't. But, yeah, anyway. Um, but his mind snaps, and he just goes to this town that there's nobody there, and uh, I, I have the bit where the I think the one military scientist is trying to explain to him what happened. And it's like, he says it so matter-of-factly, it's like, wow, like they just expected this to happen. So I'll play that right now. Just a kind of a nightmare that your mind manufactured for you. Yeah, no big deal. Just some kind of nightmare that your mind <laughs> manufactured for you. You know, so then they take him out on a stretcher, and, and then it's, so you see the moon, and then he, he gets real creepy with the moon, too. Yeah, like, which it probably was my favorite part of the ending. Hey, don't go away up there. Next time it won't be a dream or a nightmare. Next time it'll be for real. I like my planets quiet. So don't quiet. go away. I like them real quiet. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> anyway, it was. Yeah, him, it it him. leaves you with a real unsettling feeling. Yeah. Where you're like, it's not even that unsettling. It's just science. Like. <laughs> yeah. I, but the way he does it. Um, uh, yeah. It's just like it was just, so. I like I said I didn't see it coming with it being a whole like moon like landing thing. Um, but I started thinking about it and I started looking up information and I think you did a little bit of this too about context of like time and when this happened. So 57, uh, Sputnik two went up and up in the sky. That was a Russian satellite with, um, with the, the Russian dog, uh, Laka, um, and that freaked out America. And then, um, and then in 59, October 7th, 1959, uh, like five days after this, we got our first photos of the far side of the moon. So very much. uh, Yeah. September 13th, which was only a few weeks before this episode aired, uh, Soviet Union landed Luna 2 on, uh, on the moon. It was the first man-made object to land on the moon. Oh, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, that's, I didn't see that, but that's yeah, like, so that's like a month before this episode aired. Yeah. So the whole idea that we would be willing to push ourselves to the point of breaking our minds to get there, like that's still very much a real 
thought, you know, and like I know now the it's kind of you equate it to like everyone's like, well, we will never get to Mars, but we're actively trying to get there, you know. So yeah, and they're doing experiments right now to see uh, how the human body will hold up being in space that long. Um, yeah, and this was ten years before we landed the first man on the moon. Yeah, like because it was nineteen sixty nine Apollo eleven. Yeah, so I mean, it's just like I. It was very much of the time, but it's just like since you and I have both grown up in a time in which we knew that we could do it, it doesn't seem to be as big of a, 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 a you know a thing. You know, uh, it, uh, we we've been there, done that. You know, but for them, it's like that was that was the that was the end. That was the race, and yeah, that was the dream. Yeah. So uh, yeah, like I said, for so for me, um, like I I like the episode. Didn't see that coming. Cool imagery. Uh, you said that you weren't so surprised by the twist. Yeah. Um, as, as the twist goes on, it gets better and better. Cause as soon as they cut to like the military officials and everything, I was kind of like, ah, of course it is. You know, of course it's an experiment, (laughs) but as they start revealing the stuff about the space race and everything and planning to go to the moon, it really, really adds on to the twist. Yeah, and I and so um, well, I guess we'll just rate this right now. So on our twist ratings, or twistometer, or whatever you want to call it, um, I will give this five heaping ashtrays out of five because wow. I did not expect, I did not like like for time element, kind of saw that coming, but I was trying to give it context to this. I did not see it actually being a military based coming. All right. Um. I originally wrote down three out of five cigarettes, um, but I th- I think I'm going to give it four. The more we talk about it, the more I like it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's so four out of five. Because, I mean, like, it, it's so easy anymore for movies and shows that we watch to be like, oh, it was just in his mind or was it? Which uh, I know there was some talk that Sterling wanted to do a bit at the end where he pulls a theater ticket out of his pocket after they start taking him out of the military base. And I feel like I would not have liked that ending as much. Yeah. And I guess he put that back in for, uh, he did some novelizations of certain episodes and I guess he put that twist back in as well, but that really wouldn't make any sense. No, it it would make absolutely no sense. Like the only things that made sense, like in terms of connecting is that the clock broke and he broke it himself. And then also like some of the, the, like he was tapping something when he was tapping, like the walk sign, like there was some, some of the noises were similar to what he was experiencing in that isolation. So that all kind of made sense in a very Christopher Nolan inception kind of way. Um, you know, so, so I I read another one saying that, uh, the main actor wanted to rip a page of the phone book out and that was going to fall out too. But I think that was somebody just, uh, misinterpreting, what actually was supposed to happen because i i read on multiple sources that serling wanted the movie stub to fall out yeah so i think that this is one of those cases where it's like i I appreciate that they didn't go too far they just kept it for what it was made it interesting and then and then watching it a second time you know it just kind of helped not not that i didn't understand the story to begin with but it kind of helped just fill in the gaps a little bit and make it like oh okay i get it you know like uh and it was enjoyable, like um, like that that recent there was that series that was out a couple of years ago, that was the, the U.S. remake of Life on Mars, the British show. Where, I didn't see that. Uh, the premise is a guy; he's a cop in like the the like like late two thousands, not late two thousands, like you know early twenty aughts, whatever you want to call it. He ends up in a car wreck, but then ends up in the in the seventies, 
as a cop and it gets really trippy and the u.s version is not as strong as the, the the uk one i guess but i really enjoyed the whole idea of of him being back there but then he would like things weren't adding up sometimes and like he would see things that didn't quite belong but he had to kind of still live in the 70s being a cop then it was it was kind of cool so this kind of hmm. reminded me of that a little bit i'll have um, to check that out uh yeah i mean the ending kind of it only went one season in the U.S., so just don't you know, hold, don't don't expect a lot. <laughs> but you had Harvey Keitel as a police chief, and every episode, I swear, he'd punch somebody in the gut. I just was waiting for him to punch somebody in the gut every single time because that's well, what you hopefully do. Hopefully, he doesn't pull a bad lieutenant. No, he didn't. But it's like okay. it's Harvey Keitel. You get called in his office, you're getting punched in the gut. That's what's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so. Uh, good episode. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, this yeah. was a fun episode. It wasn't too complicated. It was a nice way to kick off the series. Yeah. Uh, is there any any other movies that you could think of uh, just off the top of your head that have this kind of start of where someone comes into a town, nothing's adding up, they don't really like recall everything? Like, Is there anything that you could think of that... I, I know I've seen it. Off the top of my head, I can't think of anything. Like, I think of 28 Days Later. With, oh uh, yeah, definitely. Like that yeah. kind of that's a kind of and also even the beginning of the Walking Dead with um what's his face, uh, you know, uh Sheriff Man. Yeah. Same thing. Like Rick. uh Rick. Oh, yeah, Rick Grimes, is. that's it. I was gonna say Carl, but I know it was his kid. Um <laughs> so like so I feel like a lot kind of also owes itself to this a little bit too. But, yeah, I'm I'm sure there's a million more I'm forgetting, but on the spot I can't think of any <laughs> of them. <laughs> yeah, I should have probably asked you that before the show. But anyway. That's all right. All right. So um yeah, that I think that will do it for for this episode. It was a lot of fun. Uh we uh please uh hit us up on our social media. Uh we are on Facebook at Strange Highways uh podcast. Uh yeah, like us on there. Yeah, uh please. And then uh share with us share with us your creepy mannequin photos. That's probably asking too much. Uh <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter. It's going to be uh, Strange Highways Podcast on Twitter and uh, Strange Highways Podcast Gmail. So leave us some and, feedback. Uh, subscribe and rate us on uh, iTunes, please. Yeah, and Stitcher as well, please. That would be that'd be great. Um, nice. Yeah. So uh, next time, uh, what's what's the name of the episode again that we're going to be covering? Episode two. Um, I didn't write it down. Uh, Do you have it? <laughs> yeah, I was I, I was t- I was testing you. Is it one for the angels? Is that what it's called? Yes, I yes. believe so. One for the angels. You said you've seen this one a while ago. I don't recall this one, so it will be. I, I look forward to it. So we'll see how many how many cigarettes I give this one. <laughs> and then uh, check out our other shows. Uh, my show, uh, Radio Violenta. We're trying to go every couple weeks, but uh, we'll see how long that keeps up. <laughs> hey, if, if like there was a gap of eight months between episodes, yeah, yeah you know, you you, you it was it was dramatic pause. That's what that was. Like you, you had everybody just waiting, you know, and you're like, they're not coming back. And it's like, in just the last minute you came back. Well, it's funny. I was on like a bunch of podcasts in those like uh, eight months and uh, somebody was on a show and they're like, who is, who is this guy? What show is this? He's getting like the most press on every podcast and he doesn't even have the show going. That's funny. It's like, I'm like, oh, Rick, we got to get this going. That's funny. It's like, oh, I, just, I did an episode. Now I'm going to travel the circuit. High five, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, you could also check me out. I'm at invading, uh, invading, invasion of the podcast. If I remember the name of my own show, um, we, we try to go once a week. So we'll see. We'll see if we make it this week. Uh, it's where Joe and I discuss various things like last recently. Uh, Joe has had problems with Batman versus Superman, like the rest of America. And it was uh, it was really entertaining. And I had Kevin on recently as well to talk about wrestling. So yeah, it was so, a great time. Yeah. So please, uh, please check that out. So yeah. Uh, until next time, um, if you happen to be in an ice cream parlor by yourself, Hey, free ice cream. 
And uh, check out their uh, book selection. It's uh, quite vast. Yes. All right. We'll see you next time. All right. See you guys.